Welcome to the Soul Connection Duo podcast. We are your hosts, Alexa and Sydney, and we are so excited to have you here with us today. Get ready to connect to your soul and start healing within. Today, our guest is Laura Kay. Laura is a certified grief coach with over 10 years of public health experience and a deep understanding of loss. She knows grief is no easy journey to navigate alone. After completing her master's in healthcare administration, changing careers, and experiencing the loss of her brother and mother, she realized life was too short. She decided to start leveraging her grief experience and completely transformed her life to be comfortable with grief and live the most authentic life. She's here to guide and walk alongside those looking for the right support in their grief process. She is your biggest cheerleader through transforming and leveraging difficulties in your life to create your new next chapter of life. Her entire life's mission is to serve and help those looking to heal from grief, acting as a catalyst to master the not so glamorous yet magical and frustrating world of life after loss and how you can use it to heal, grow, transform, and to live your most authentic self. Thank you for joining us today, Laura, and welcome to the Soul Connection Duo podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're so excited to learn a little bit more about you. Um, Obviously, we got like a little bit of an idea about yourself from your bio, but do you mind just explaining a little bit more um, about your experience and if you're lost with your loss, if you're comfortable and how it's kind of led you to this amazing work? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say my grief experience really started at a pretty young age when my brother faced a lot of health complications. Growing up, he had all sorts of different things that would pop up that were pretty random things that we had no idea what it was really happening behind the scenes for him. And so we traveled to many doctor's offices, many healthcare facilities to figure out what's going on. And it wasn't until he was in his later 20s, or I'd say his early 20s, that um, we realized he had a rare genetic disorder. And from then, we realized that we had a very limited time with him because the life expectancy was rather short. And I would say our grief process really started when we kind of discovered that our clock was kind of ticking. But we didn't even know it, right? Like most people, when they first step into grief, they don't even know that they're starting that grief process in a sense. And it's not until now, years later, reflecting that I was really realizing we were all as a family trying to understand and cope with some level of grief. Um, He had such a positive outlook and such a positive way of living that he just wanted to embrace all the time that he had here on earth. Mm -hmm. So it's incredible to be able to spend time with him again, not knowing what our clock looks like as most people that, you know, have some sort of forthcoming insight as to knowing their time is kind of limited. So a few years later, we lost him at the age of 23 and I was in my last year of college. So I was kind of still figuring out life myself as a lot of us are, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And um, after we had had this tremendous experience with him and being able to have some level of closure together and having this foundation that we were able to spend some time together and really live up the last few years of his life together, it really put into perspective that we didn't have a lot of support. We really didn't know how to navigate. And number one, we didn't know how to navigate getting healthcare and getting the appropriate type of treatment. 
And number two, we didn't even know that we were grieving and that that was something that was actually happening, right? Like, we're like, this is just hard. <laughs> What's yeah. going on, right? <laughs> and um, I think a lot of us in our culture today are brought up to kind of put your head down and just kind of figure it out and get back to work. And that's kind of the feedback that I got from so many people. I was in my last semester of college, really, and um, my family, friends, mentors, they were like, you just have to get back to work. So kind of sorry about your loss, but keep moving. And so I did that. <laughs> and then wow. I put my hat down and I just went to work. And I soon realized like I, I had this urge to do something. Like I have this this huge shift in myself. Like my world that I once knew no longer exists. And trying to figure that out is really, really hard, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what do I do with all of this energy? So I started connecting with one of my closest friends and we put together a nonprofit called James's Journey. And we started raising awareness and research funds for his rare genetic disorder called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. And that was kind of my way of grieving is I just put all of my time and effort into this nonprofit. We put on an annual 5K and that's where I put all my grief. And I thought, okay, I've got this. Mm -hmm. I kind of have this grief thing figured out, you know, like, all right, we got a 5k, we're honoring him, we are embracing his spirit, we are living on, we are going. And then a few years later, my mom passed away pretty unexpectedly. And that's when I realized I had not been dealing with my grief. It kind of hit me head on that I had put all of this grief in a little shoebox pretty neatly in my closet for my brother. <laughs> and now it was like, no, 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 you have to take that shoebox out. You have to deal with that and kind of cope with it alongside with this new set of grief. But going into it, I was like, oh, grief, I know what to do. (laughs) I've done this before. And I got hit so hard, you guys. I had no idea that every grief experience is so unique. And my experience with my brother was so different than my experience with my mom, right? because they're different relationships. They're different people, we're different relationships. And so I started to step into this more and really start to reach out and really get more resources in my life to see how can I deal with this grief because it was forced to, I was like not functioning well. I was not eating, I was not taking care of myself. I was struggling to get out of bed every day. I mean, it was alarm to the max. I had to face this. I had no other option, right? Yeah. And so I started to reach out to healthcare professionals and I did counseling and, you know, I got a sense that this is just, we have to just solve for grief, right? Like, okay, you're still going through a hard time. We just have to solve for this hard time of your life. And so I started down this path and I'm doing all the things and I'm like, but there's a big piece missing here because we're not just solving for grief. Like it's been now five years since my brother had passed. And I'm like, he is still such a huge part of my life. Like I'm not solving for this. Mm -hmm. So I got a little bit more extra help outside of that. And that's when I started to meet with other grief coaches and see what are, what is grief coaching? What does this mean outside of counseling? Because I think right now in our culture, it's so common to just jump right into counseling, which isn't bad. I think there are great tools there, but I felt like there was so much more in grief. And so I started working with a coach and realized it's really so much more of a soul journey than it is solving for this 
interim period. Mm -hmm. And once I started to get down to some of these other layers that I didn't even really know existed and really started realigning with myself, I was able to realize the power that you can have when you go through difficult times in your life, like losing someone that you love and losing someone important, because you're forced to kind of face yourself and say, what do I want out of life? What's most important? And what, what is it that I really, really want to do here? Because all of that world before doesn't really exist anymore. What felt like was important is no longer important. And so I realized the power of grief, really. I mean, it's so beautiful in certain ways. It's absolutely challenging, but it can completely transform your life. And so I was, this is, this is what I want to do. I want to help other people realize the power that they're kind of forced into, unfortunately, um, because there can be beauty in this process and it is a natural part of the human experience. And I think the more we can talk about it, the better off we are all going to be, because at one point we're all going to experience our own grief process. Mm -hmm. So to sum it up, that's really my bread and butter. I love talking about this. I think there are so many opportunities that we can be doing today to really emphasize that it's not all dark, doom and gloom, right? Like there are beautiful parts to grief and beautiful ways that we can honor our loved ones that we maybe not have physically here today. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Like, um, I know it can also be hard to talk about, um, but like you, I feel like are have just this positive, uplifting energy. Like even just from looking at your Instagram, I'm like, wow, she is so passionate about this. And even going through something so difficult, you can make such a beautiful experience out of it. And I'm like feeling a little bit emotional right now, just hearing your story. So if you guys can hear that in my voice, I apologize. Um, but like, I think that's also what we're doing here, like with this podcast, right? Is like, we got to the point where we're like, you know, we've had all these amazing experiences together and just like, we want to share it with people. We want to help people. Um, and so like that has, this has kind of been our way of doing that, like similar to yours as well. Um, and so, yeah, just the way you talk about it too, is so eloquent and yeah, thank you for sharing that's And I'm sorry for both of your losses as well. Like, yeah. And I, you know, I think it's, it's like, we all have experienced loss, right? Like mm -hmm. Alexis and you guys have both experienced loss and the more that we can just get a little bit more comfortable talking about it. It's like this big elephant in the room a lot of the time, right? Like sure. let's talk about our people. <laughs> let's say their names. I want to talk about James. I want to talk about Teresa, my mom, mm -hmm. you know, like let's do it because they're a part of us. And quite honestly, like my friends and my family know, I love to talk about them now, but I'm going to be completely honest. It took me a long time to be comfortable talking about them mm -hmm. and to be comfortable saying their name and to be comfortable talking about memories because it was hard for me to navigate it as well as other relationships in my life too right but um I think the more we can empower ourselves to get comfortable with grief the more we can start to empower other people to get more comfortable with those conversations but it really starts with us um I mean there's so many things people say because they're just trying to help right but there's a lot of things that like would almost just be better like not said right or like just tips and suggestions for people who like 
haven't either experienced like going through grief or a loss of someone like I know there's a lot of things that people say to try to help but like aren't always helpful you know what I mean yeah um, and then just allowing you to like share your story too like if that's what you're wanting to do right yeah absolutely I mean I think one of the I'll never forget so <laughs> let me just back up for a second my yeah. family um as a whole has had a lot of loss so my dad lost his brother when he was 18 years old in a really bad car accident and so growing up I I always kind of like had grief pretty present in my life. And I think that's not uncommon. I think a lot of people have, you know, a relative or maybe a grandparent mm -hmm. that they like never really met, but they know about, right? Like they see pictures of them. They talk about mm -hmm. grandma's recipe. And that was kind of what it was for my uncle, um, you know, my dad's brother who had passed away. And growing up, you know, we always heard about, you know, our uncle Jim and we're like, oh, he sounds so cool, right? So um, when my brother had passed away, who was named after actually ironically my uncle, my dad and my aunt, my brother's sister had sat me down and, you know, kind of gave me a little bit of a spiel to kind of prepare myself before my brother's services. Cause I mean, quite honestly, I think we're all kind of a mess, right? Like we have no, no way, which way is up, which way is down and, and being so young and not having that kind of quote unquote experience fully. Um, I really appreciated them doing that, but uh, I'm sharing this because it really was the launching pad of how to get, and get comfortable talking about it. And they said, okay, Laura, you know, tomorrow it's James' services. How are you feeling? Right? Like, I'm like, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> what do you, I don't want to talk. What do you, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> and they're like, okay, well, just so you're, just so you know, you know, they're, there's going to be like a line of people they are going to come up. They're going to talk to you. They're going to try to console you. And um, a lot of people are going to say, I'm so sorry for your loss. And they said, a lot of people are also going to say, like, let me know if there's anything I can do for you. Mm -hmm. And my aunt goes, this is what you tell them. You tell them you are a young, broke college kid and you would love a new car. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so we kind of like made a joke out of it mm -hmm. um, at first, you know, like you really didn't know how to respond. I'm like, I'm not going to say that to people. And I was thinking, I'm like, what are people, are people really going to say that? And then sure enough, you know, yeah. hundreds of people are standing in this line and you're in number one, still in total shock. You don't, you aren't even comprehending what's happening. Mm -hmm. And when people are speaking to you, you're kind of still not even comprehending what they're saying. And I think in those moments, it's always good to just kind of go, go back to what you're feeling comfortable in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I think it's always good to have like a plan A, a plan B and a plan C. So my plan A is always just, if I'm really not in the mood and I'm just like, that's nice. Thank you. Carry on. So that's, that's, that's perfectly okay to say that because yeah. in certain moments, we maybe aren't ready to open up and talk about anything. Mm -hmm. um, and my plan B is always like, okay, well, maybe I might want to engage in a little bit of conversation. So if someone responds, like, I'm so sorry for your loss, or they're in a better place, I can just say, you know, I appreciate those words. And I know they're coming out of kindness. Um, but I am going to miss my loved one, you know, and just be completely blunt. Um, I know that's not easy. I still sometimes struggle with certain family members that might make comments. Um, but then I go to like a plan C too. So if you're feeling comfortable or maybe the person you're with, you're feeling a little bit more comfortable and they say, I'm so sorry for your loss. Is there anything I can do? You can premise it and say, you know what, actually, do you have space and time right now? Because mm -hmm. then you're kind of like allowing them the opportunity to say, oh, I wasn't prepared. You know, because they might yeah. not be prepared, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I have friends that are like, 
I've had a friend um, who's been going through also like a difficult time. And, and um, I asked her, you know, like, if you ever want to talk about it, you can always premise it with starting with that question. I'm going to know, okay, you know what? She needs time and space. That's what she's asking for. And it's been such a great cue for someone and this friend that I'm speaking of has always had a hard time kind of communicating. It's been a really good cue for us and something that I've used with some of my clients that have said that was really helpful because people did say, you know, I actually do have time and space. Do you want to sit down and have a coffee and talk about this? Mm -hmm. So I kind of do the plan A, plan B and plan C, right? Like one, if you're just really not in the mood, you can always say thank you, but no, thank you in certain points, right? Like (laughs) I appreciate that. And I did not realize this. It is, if someone is saying something to you that is just not resonating or not feeling good to you, you have permission to excuse yourself. You can step away from that conversation. Mm-hmm. I had, um, I'm going to forget when I returned back to work after my mom had passed, I had a coworker come up to me and say like, I am so sorry for your loss. And I was like, you know, just making coffee, like not coffee. Yeah. I don't know about yeah. you guys, but I, when I don't have my caffeine, I'm like really not in the mood to really chat on top of like grieving and like trying to comprehend coming back to work. And I mean, she just divulged very detailed information about loss she had experienced. And it just felt so inappropriate because yeah. I just was, I didn't have that. I did not have that time and space, right? Like I was mm-hmm. not there. And I just said, right now, I cannot have this conversation. Mm-hmm. I am sorry that you experienced that loss. But I cannot have this conversation. And that's okay. And I think it's so hard for us to give ourselves that permission to walk away from a conversation that's not resonating well with us. And then I think on the second fold, it's kind of hard to even initiate those conversations saying like, actually, I do need help. I do need that time. I do need that space from you. But when you're first in your grief process, you don't even know what you need. You just Mm -hmm. need to like bellow out whatever is showing up for you in that moment. So just saying you time and space, I just need to let this out. I just need to talk about my brother. I just need to just talk about him. Can you be, can you be that person for me right now? Mm -hmm. And I think when you start that, you start to learn as you go and realize what your needs are. So now it can be for later on in your process, you can become a little bit more clear. Like, I just need you to listen right now. And then there are other, other points where we'll say like, I need you to listen, or I would love if you could listen. And if you could maybe share something from your side too, so we can have this collective conversation. So then you don't, when someone wants to chime in and add things and you're not Mm -hmm. ready for that, you can kind of maneuver a little bit easier does that make sense yeah I mean I had very similar experiences like I think that's a thing people try to almost relate to you which like fair enough maybe that's what they think is what's best but like I lost my boyfriend when I was 24 years old and about three weeks later this lady that I was dealing with through work she basically was like you know I know how you're feeling like my like 90 year old mother passed away and blah, blah. And I'm like, thank you. But it's like, not the same. And I, I don't think I would never compare my grief to anyone else's like moving forward now, because I know how like hurtful it can be. And like, like you said, everyone's grief and loss is unique. And so like, there's like comparison is just like, I struggled with that so much for the first few months. And like, I was so deep in my grief and like trauma and everything. I didn't even know what to say. And I didn't even have the guts to be like, stop talking. Like, even though I wanted to, but I was just like, I couldn't, you know what I mean? Like, you don't, you don't know what to say. You don't know how to stand up for yourself. And just, 
yeah, it was really, really hard. So I totally resonate with that for sure. <laughs> and then also too, another big one was like, you know, they just want you to be happy. And, um, but it's like, no, you need the time to cry and like really feel all of it. So I don't know. Absolutely. I mean, I remember right after my mom had passed and I thought, again, here we are, we are grief experts. We've been <laughs> through this. We know. And I mean, I won't name my family member here, but I had a family member that literally came up to me as we're, you know, having some final moments and said, like, don't cry. And I just looked at them and said, I'm going to cry because mm -hmm. that's what I need right now. And it's really hard to say those words sometimes, mm -hmm. but I'm telling you right now, whoever is listening, you have permission to feel however you need to feel. And if someone is not supportive of you expressing those emotions, then you can step away or they can step away too. You know, like you have that opportunity. And I think sometimes we get into these like heated moments, right? Like when that woman approached you, you're like, I don't know what to do right now. And you freeze, right? Mm -hmm. And I think when we start to even plan that out, like that's why I say plan A, plan B and plan C, because you can have that in your back pocket at all times. And you can pull that at different points, but it's like, you kind of have to pre-wire and pre-plan. But at the end of the day, no matter what, you don't need the plan A, plan B, plan C, as long as you know, in the back of your mind, you have permission to feel however you are feeling. Mm -hmm. And if someone feels uncomfortable around that, that is on them, not on you, which again, was really hard. When I lost my brother, I could not cry in front of like anyone. Mm -hmm. I would just cry in my car and move on. I would pull up to Walgreens or my family's house and just cry. And then I would get out of my car and like deal with it. Mm -hmm. And I realized how not healthy that was mm -hmm. hiding so much of myself. So that's why when I say like, really helping people grow into the authentic version of themselves it's really being able to like fully express yourself however you are in that moment and I think the more you do that you you feel more empowered to have that permission to say you know what not right now random lady that wants to share her random story that just mm -hmm. is not driving with me right now <laughs> yeah yeah it was really poor timing I'm like okay well thank you for that but no <laughs> not now uh, yeah I think so, we all have those stories at some some level mm -hmm. now definitely and yeah like I know just secondhand I saw that happening to Sid throughout um the initial time after Spencer passed away and it was like I mean the rest I know nobody knows how to deal with it it's just one of those things we don't talk about grief we don't talk about death in our society. And so it's beautiful, Laura, what you are bringing here to the table. It's just more people need to talk about it for us to be comfortable doing, like having these conversations, right? Um, and so how long after your mom passed was it that you decided that this was gonna be something that you were gonna take on for work? Yeah, you know, um, I, kind of went back into my grief doer mode, as I'll say it. So after my brother had passed, I was like, okay, we're going to start a nonprofit. We're going to do this. You know, that is, I am a grief doer, as I like to call it, a grief doer. Got to do it. Got to do things, right? 
And so I was like, okay, what's going to be my thing for my mom? You know, like I got to do something. This is what I do. This is how I do grief. And so I started my master's program in healthcare administration and um, about a year in to that. And that was really like, she had passed. And a few months later, I ended up um, starting my master's program. So it was about a year after she had passed that it kind of hit me like, I'm, I'm working full-time and doing master's program full-time and have just like completely kind of shut out so much of my life. And I was still, I was going to counseling. I was doing the work. I was following along. And I'm like, this is not, I am not getting to where I need to be. I'm not, I've, I've not solved grief yet. I've been putting in all of this work. I'm doing the things and I'm not, I haven't solved for it yet. And so I was like, what something's got to give here because I'm, I'm doing 120,000% here and Mm -hmm. nothing's happening. (laughs) And that's when I started to step out and really reach out to other support and get other types of resources and reach out to grief coaches and chat with them and really understand grief in a different level because everything else I was getting was just not cutting it. And so starting to understand that it wasn't until a grief coach mentioned, um, you are continuing this relationship, right? And when I started to define what I wanted that relationship to look like, it started to unfold this new chapter of my life. And that's when I was able to really start to regrow in a sense and kind of start building what I wanted my life to really look and feel like honoring these individuals. And it wasn't doing the nonprofit, it wasn't doing the master's program. It was really reconnecting with myself and understanding who I am and what I want to get out of life. And that was really a pivotal point when I started to realize, okay, this is a lifelong soul journey that I was kind of thrown into and I'm going to embrace it because (laughs) life as we know is just a little too short. So what do I want to get out of life? Do I want to work a great job and do like a nine to five? Or do I want to really like serve other people in a different type of way? And this just spoke to my soul, like time and time and time and time and time again. And then actually being able to do some of the work and work with clients, it just revalidated how much this is like my calling. Like, I love it. I could talk about grief all day, any day. I will like work with clients for like eight hours straight. And I'm like energized, like ready to go. And I'm like, when you find something that just like feeds your soul, you have to do it. Mm-hmm. And I, for me, this just happened to be grief, but I know I, I love working with clients when they find other avenues for themselves that maybe they hadn't been able to get to those other layers to understand what they, what fed their soul. And grief just throws you into it. They're like, it just strips your whole previous knowing of life and just throws you into the ring. And really it's up to you and, and how you want to make that. Some people would prefer to just kind of scratch the surface a little bit. Other people, I think, really want to do that deep dive and really be able to leverage this experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you have to do any like extra education or courses or anything to become a grief coach? So I did a certification program for grief coaching, which okay. I thought was really helpful. I think it just helps build tools for you to help serve clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's an opportunity to, to you do your own work, yeah. you know, like you're doing the work too first, like mm-hmm. you have to do it all. And even after doing some of 
work before I had stepped into grief coaching certification, I also dove into that whole, like I went through it myself, mm-hmm. right? For, yeah. To really see, is this going to be something that's going to be really supportive for other people? And there are a lot of programs out there. And I think, again, some of them get back to kind of this older, I shouldn't say older because it's still, still happening today. Yeah, like the five it's, stages of grief. <laughs> like the five, yeah. oh my gosh, you guys. I yeah. Know, like, I, I won't, I can't even tell you how many people told me like, okay, Laura, yeah, we get it. You're going through rough grief. Okay. You stage one. So you've been yeah. through, you did it. Okay, good. Maybe it's two. Oh, maybe you'll jump back to one. And I'm like, no, no, no. no. Like, yeah. I like one day I'll never forget this. And uh, I was explaining this to my fiance now because he has experienced grief, but when you experience something that's a little bit closer to you, right? Like he has like experienced some losses, but nothing like as close mm-hmm. to some of the losses I had experienced. So he's like, I've kind of grazed grief, but I've been lucky enough to not get into the weeds and been thrown into the ring. You can call it like a grief ring in a sense. Um, and uh, I was like, okay, let me try to explain this to you. And I'll never forget it. I'm like, okay, I have my paper and I'm like, okay, so I'm like, here I am. I'm doing all the things. Okay. I'm doing all the things, but then this is kind of what happens. And, yeah. then, and, then, and then I'm like, okay, I'm doing my thing. And then this is what happens. And so I'm like drawing out these crazy circles, trying to explain what actually grief is or what it had been for me. And that was the closest description. And he was like, but isn't there the five? I was like, scratch no. it. It's a good <laughs> premise to what you might feel mm-hmm. but it's definitely not but what I was saying is um this older mentality of like you go through or like I'm not harping on any programs because I think that there are value and it's education grief education at the end of the day mm-hmm. but I think the lens that you look through it is what makes a difference and one of the programs in specific is like more programs that like call it more of a recovery mm-hmm. because I don't think you're necessarily recovering from grief I really think that it's a new chapter for you. And you really just have to figure out how to navigate this new chapter. Not, again, going back to the solving for grief. We're not solving. We're stepping into this soul finding journey that we were just thrown into unexpectedly in a sense. Yeah. And I think unfortunately, like people who haven't been through it or like experienced a loss of someone really close just don't understand. Like I've had people say to me, like, um, you know, it's been a couple of years now you need to move on or like, you can't let this affect you forever. And like, that really hurts because, you know, I've the last three years have put so much hard work into it. And like, you know, I didn't ask for this to happen to me. Um, but like, I feel like I'm doing as much as I can. And like, it's led me on this other journey that to be honest, I feel has been like way more fulfilling than like what I was doing before, like nursing and just like plugging away like I didn't think about all of these other things that are really truly incredible right and so yeah I don't know it almost like I think that's like the beauty too of like you having your own experience with loss too is like you can really connect um because you have been through it yourself right like um like I was nursing in maternity before just to like kind of do a comparison and like obviously I've never had a kid so like you're there like coaching these women through labor and like you know, you're doing the best that you can with all the education and skills you've been given, but like, you really don't know what they're going through and you don't know what that pain is like. And so I think for like, especially those nurses who like, you know, did have babies, like they can connect a little bit 
differently versus me. And I think it's like the same thing if you were to compare that to grief, right? Is like, until you've actually experienced yourself and been through it, like you can connect on like a completely different level, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's not an easy job to do, right? Like by any means. So kudos to you for just doing the best that you can. And I think that's what we really ask other people that are around us. And I think that's when, when, when you hear people make comments that you're like, that didn't really resonate well with me. You know, I, I always like some of my clients really struggle with the things that their family or friends may share with them that maybe aren't productive. Right. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I always like to talk through is just mentioning, like, do you think that person was saying that because they care, you know, and a lot of the time it's, yeah, they just don't know what to say. Exactly. And we kind of have to, we have to have, kind of coach them through it too. Cause they mm -hmm. don't know. Yeah. And it's, it's so hard when you're still figuring it out too. I felt like me and my fiance were like joking. I was like, I feel like we're both talking gibberish right now. Like we both don't kind of know how to navigate this, but I know you're trying to be supportive or like mm -hmm. even not just him specifically, but family and friends. Like, I know you're trying, but we're not quite there. Yeah. And then to your point too, of the whole time frame of grief, there really is no time frame. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is something that needs to be more talked about too because I have clients that come to me five, 10, 20 years even after their loss and they're still struggling with parts of it. And that's let me just say completely, completely, I just could yell this at the top of the mountain right now. <laughs> completely normal. Mm -hmm. And it's totally okay. I remember after my mom had passed, even my dad had said a few comments to me where he said Laura, you know, I, I think it's time that you, you know, kind of let this go and move on. And it was so hurtful. You know, mm -hmm. I'm going to be completely blunt here. Like, it was really, really hard for me to even comprehend what he had said when he mentioned that to me. And I literally had to end the conversation. I was like, okay, I'm going to let you go right now because it was not helpful. It was not productive. It felt so hurtful. And it took me a long time to peel back some of those layers to understand like, okay, he was just trying to, in his mind, help, mm -hmm. although it was very hurtful. But that's like, I think the common understanding is like, we're supposed to learn to let go. Again, kind of going back to that, like we need to solve for grief. It's a grief recovery. When in the reality of it is we're just learning in this lifelong path, right? Like grief is not something that just has a hard start and a hard stop. It does have a hard start, <laughs> that we learned, um, but it doesn't have a hard stop. And I think the more we just accept that, the better off we can be. And one of the ways that I always mention is like creating these grief rituals in a sense, and like finding ways to specifically honor your people to just really keep in mind, like, even though that person is no longer with you, your love for them and your relationship with them does not end. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to end after a year, two years, three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road. And let me tell you what, 20 years from now, I'm going to be talking about James and Teresa, my mom. Mm -hmm. We're going to be talking about them because they are such a big part of who I am and who I am today. So mm -hmm. sorry, not sorry. Yeah. And I have to be not sorry for how you feel and how you're going to navigate your grief process. Yeah, I think in anticipation of like chatting with you too, I was going through your Instagram and I came across this quote you had put and it was 
grief is just love with no place to go. And I think like that is like pretty much sums it up, right? Like you never stop loving those people just because they're not here. I read that and I was like, oh my gosh, yes. That like is so amazing. I love that. Yeah, that's so important to like find these ways to honor our people and definitely that's that was the whole idea behind this podcast was Sid and I were like how can we share this information that has helped us through through grief and loss and through other tough things that we've navigated um, in both of our journeys and then like sharing that to hopefully help other people also navigate and also to honor Spencer in all of the things that he's brought into our lives since losing him. We definitely, um, I know both of us since our loss have become a lot more spiritual in like what we believe exists out in this world or outside of this world, I'm not sure. Um, and I'm sure every person experiences that differently when they experience loss, but um, I'm sure Laura, you probably have also experienced some pretty cool things and probably see that through your clients as well. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's just as much as spiritual as it is a soul journey, right? <clears throat> and everyone is different, okay? I think you kind of have to start with who, who are you kind of, what do you kind of believe? What do you feel? Right. And then when we're in grief, it's kind of like everything's messy and hairy and we're kind of like, it's gray, right? Like nothing was like black and white anymore, mm -hmm. but things start to surface where things just make a little bit more sense as you progress in your grief process. And I think specifically for me, what's become really clear is ways that um, I know my people are kind of around mm -hmm. and I have a lot of different ways that I've been able to, in my mind, <clears throat> I really do feel that connection. And that's for me, right? Like I know I have family and friends that don't really have as much spirituality or are as open to their spirituality, which is totally fine. That is who they are. And that's great. But I know that there are certain things for me. For example, I know the yellow color is really big. And I learned a lot of this actually through going to a couple of mediums, which have been so helpful. Mm -hmm. So I highly recommend anyone that's interested and even remotely open to it. I think it's always worth just kind of navigating if you really want to like get into that spiritual side. There are other ways and exercises that you can really get in touch with yourself spiritually. But I think that that's one avenue that's really helped me. And I know it's helped some of my clients a lot. I mean, it's just like such an incredible experience, right? Being able to hear and solidify different parts of like, your person's kind of still around. And I'm not gonna lie, guys, I was extremely skeptical at first. Um, I was like, what, <laughs> what does that mean? What is it like? I have no idea. My friend, I was going to visit her in Colorado. And she was like, hey, you're coming out in a couple of days. I just booked this. Are you okay? And I was like, <laughs> I guess we're doing it and we did it together we both walked in we were like freaking out and it ended up being one of the most beautiful experiences and really helped to find different ways it really solidified certain things that I was skeptical about or uncertain about mm -hmm. I've seen some clients that come in that know right away these are my signs these are some ways that my people show up and it's so beautiful it's so exciting and I have other clients that are like I'm really not into that I'm not spiritual I just want to find different ways to connect with my loved one and in some ways that's just like finding grief rituals for them 
in ways that they can honor them. So my favorite example is like my brother James loved pizza. So like I love eating pizza. And when I eat pizza, specifically on his birthday and his death anniversary, I am like, he loves pizza. These are his favorite <laughs> toppings. This is what we're doing. And that's the way that I honor him. And then there are other ways where we have songs that are so specific and so distinct. Like on Easter, I was literally in the car. We got into the car. We were kind of rushing around trying to make it to our family's house in time. And the first song on the radio was our song. So it's like, I have these specific moments where they just show up or I'm getting married in October. And one day um, I was going for my dress shopping or uh, dress try on. <laughs> and I, the song popped up in my head, you guys. I like, never heard this song before. And I'm like trying to hum it out. And I'm like, what is this? Oh, this is so weird and so I go to uh my music and I just start like typing in like some of the lyrics and I'm like okay I think this is the song and I'm like trying to like play it over again play it over again play it over again and I'm like okay I'm just gonna hit play maybe this is it and I was like yeah this is the song I've never heard this song before so bizarre and I played it on repeat for like an hour while I was doing some work and the next day I go to my dress shopping and I'll never forget to put on my dress and the first song that comes on in this bridal dress is the song. Aww. So I know music is a very big part of how I connect with my people in a very like spiritual way. And it's something that I love to embrace. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. <laughs> and I know there are different ways that we can still honor our people and feel connected to them. But those are just a few of my personal examples in the more recent times that I just know I'm connecting strongly with them. Yeah, I think we've had a lot of those same experiences. Um, music is definitely a big one. I know like, even, well, when Spencer was still physically here, that was a lot of um, the way that we connected was just music and sharing songs. And I know he did the same with Sid, obviously. Um, and so Sid and I now, when we find a song mm -hmm. or a certain song plays or there's other signs, we really like to share that with each other to just we know that he's there and you guys know and like I literally goosebumps you guys like total goosebumps and I think that that's one of the most powerful parts of grief is like you can step into the spiritual side and really I think can like okay bottom line I'm a very science driven person right like grew up like biology chemistry was a chemistry minor and we can get like as technical and scientific as you want at the end of the day everything is energy right? So like mm -hmm. we have high vibes and low vibes, right? And there's no denying that there are energies in this universe. And it's up to you how you want to jive with that energy. And I think when you guys can connect in that way and share that music, don't, I mean, you guys could be like miles apart, but don't you feel that connection? Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. like you physically, you know, like that's you physically here and also with your person too kind of showing up for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Like even, well, we've had a couple mediums on, but I've also had a session with a medium and um, it is so healing. And she said like, you know, he's sending you signs. Well, she said a bunch of things, but one was like, he's sending you guys signs through music. So like, and we're like, yeah, like we knew that. And like, even when I was deep in my grief, like I'd be like having a full blown, like crying session in my room by myself. And then this like song would come on and I'm like, like it just kind of makes you feel a little bit better right like I don't know I thought music was super healing like I had a playlist that I put like every single song in that reminded me of him when he was here 
That makes me so happy to hear. And you know what? I, I think I can speak to anyone that might be listening here too. Um, I couldn't listen to music for like the first six months after my brother passed away. I mean, like quite literally, mm -hmm. I mean, I like literally and everything. And it wasn't just me, you know, I knew like my dad who couldn't listen to music for a while. And I think that also just showed how much we had been kind of like trying to submerge our grief. Right. You know, and like, we didn't want to cry. So we're like, oh, we're not going to, we're just going to listen to music. We're just going to sit in the car in silence. Yeah. And we did that. And it was like, now looking back, like, it's so crazy. Like, let's listen to music. Let's ball our eyes out. Let's, you know, you know, we all have those moments. Like, mm -hmm. if you're telling me that you have not been on the floor crying with your grief, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but we got to get you to that point because we all kind of have to be there at some yeah. point or another. And the more we can like, talk about it I hope that's also comforting and to your point like you can connect in different ways you can feel comforted in some of those really really hard moments Definitely. in your grief as you were explaining yeah even my dad like I'm gonna throw him under the bus here because he's become like <laughs> such an emotional person like the last three years and like he never was like this before but like um there's a song called the bones which is what we actually named our first episode um after but um it's a country song by Marin Morris and um every time like it's a brings up a lot of emotions but I remember there was this one time my sister and I were driving um it was like a seven hour road trip and my dad was in the vehicle and it came on and like I don't know I don't cry when I listen to it but like I think of him um but it came on and then all of a sudden we just like heard my dad like kind of whimpering like starting to kind of tear up like in the front seat and my sister texted me she's like change the song change the song but like especially as a guy right like they don't want to cry in front of other people especially or like in front of your daughters right but it's it's crazy how it can you know connect and bring all these emotions whether you want to cry or not but it's just it's okay to cry like you know and even for me like I would cry in the shower when no one could see me or like when I'd be going to sleep and like I also like hid that as well and now I'm just like you know what if I'm gonna cry I don't really care I'm gonna cry like it feels good to release that emotion so yeah I don't yes. know yes you gotta feel the feel <laughs> exactly and so what does a typical session with you like a grief um coaching session look like with clients I'm just curious I'm like oh yeah. I wish I had done this like when I was yeah you know, deep in my grief and I'm sure I still could, but it's really interesting. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think that's the really cool part is I've been getting clients that are at different points in their grief process. Some that are more fresh, some, mm -hmm. like I mentioned, are even like 20 years ago, right. right. Where they lost their loved one. So I have a signature program that I really start off clients with, and then we kind of build off from there. So it's kind of three different phases. Mm -hmm. The first is we're spending a lot of time focusing on readdressing the loss. And really understanding, like, ultimately, I like to describe grief as like an onion, right? Like, there are so many layers and everyone's onion looks a little different, mm -hmm. completely different, actually, like <laughs> different colors and different layers. But anyway, so it's really like grief is an onion. We got to peel back some of those layers to understand the root a little bit more mm -hmm. before we can start to really start to do the, the, the work. In a sense. And even getting to the layers and peeling back those layers is the work too. Mm -hmm. So we start with addressing the loss, understanding some of the layers. And then the second phase is really focused on how you can realign with yourself and reconnect with yourself. So again, our previous world is just not the same. 
right? Like what we thought we knew in this world is just quite differently now. Mm-hmm. So what are your values? What are your beliefs? Really getting to that root of you, right? So getting even more of that root of the onion. Mm-hmm. And then the third is really, the third phase is really focusing on recreating what you want your next chapter to look like. So how do we want to honor our loved ones? How do we want to create those rituals? What do we want to get out of life now that we know life is really quite honestly so short? Mm -hmm. And we know that this part of us is always going to be there, but we also know that we can be happy. We can, and we can find some level of peace. So what do we want to get out of this life? And I think it's a pretty big loaded question. So we spend a lot of time focusing on that and kind of coming up with different action plans. I think some of it too is really, if you're fresh with your grief, we're really focusing on getting you to a good place so you can start to maneuver a little bit easier through your grief process. You know, when grief is so fresh, it can feel like we're just getting hit by tidal waves at different directions, right? Like I didn't even know that like certain things were going to cause me to be so upset. (laughs) Like I was literally standing in the aisle of Walgreens and I saw a shampoo that my mom used and I broke down, right? Like how, what, how is the shampoo going to bother me? You know, you start to, you know, we focus on that really when you're more fresh into grief and just understanding your grief process. And then if you're a little bit later on in your grief process, we start to really focus on how can we carve out those like rituals and ways to honor ourselves and our loved ones to really get us to that place of happiness and, and peace. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually I start out with uh, 45 minute to 60 minute sessions and we go from there usually bi-weekly and then we always chat in between but I think it just depends on the individual too what their needs are you know like everyone's grief experience is so unique like I mentioned that onion layers are going to look really different there mm-hmm. might be some really thin ones the top really thick now you guys, you guys get it. I'm not going to go down that visual, but <laughs> everyone's onion is going to look so different. So their needs might be a little bit different as we move through those different phases, but that's generally how I kind of like to put up that framework. So people can kind of understand where we're going to be going together. Right. And how long after a loss, like I know when we spoke with the mediums, they usually say to wait like six months. Cause you're like, just not ready to process any of that. Um, for quite a while is it similar as well with the grief coaching like you kind of need a little bit of time for all of that to sink in and or is it kind of like counseling where you can go right away and just you can go right away you can go right away again we're gonna it's gonna be a lot more tailored to you and tailored to where you are Mm because every every single client is so 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 different so if you're fresh in your grief like I even deal with some folks that are dealing with anticipatory grief so people that know they're going to lose their loved ones, mm-hmm. you know, so we'll work together on how they can really leverage their time together now. And that grief process starts, right? Like it's, yeah, it started, it's, you know, there. So no matter where you are in your grief process, you can always start grief coaching. It's really a way to walk alongside you and give you support. Yeah. So that can be used at any point, at any time, whether you're in a beginning phase, or you've been 20 years out since the actual loss. Mm -hmm. So the world is kind of your oyster in the clients that I take on because grief, as we know, has no bounds, Mm -hmm. right? Like it just shows up. And if it's showing up for you, we can work together to kind of get to those layers, understand, well, number one, like understand your layers, get to those layers, get to the root. 
and really figure out how it's going to make the most sense for you to realign with yourself so that you can start to grow. Right. And sometimes for people that are fresh in their grief, you know, we might not be focusing so much on getting to a growth phase where you can really start to grow, but more of just like, how can we manage and then how can we grow? Right. And how long do clients typically see you for then? Or I'm assuming it just depends, but like on average, I guess. The minimum time I will ever work with someone is a minimum of three months, because quite honestly, it takes, oh, it takes us, we're just getting started at three months. And that's what I always premise with my clients. So most of the time we start with three, but it's really six months at least. And I have some clients that end up staying on for a full year, which I highly recommend because when we're at that three month mark, we're just getting to a good threshold of like, okay, we're kind of understanding this a little bit more. And then once we get to the six month mark, we're really deep in it. And then it's not until that year mark where we're like, we're thriving. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Laura, you weren't kidding. It can be such a beautiful process. You know, because when I first start to talk about grief and it being a potential beautiful process, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around. Mm-hmm. How can this, how can this very difficult process be beautiful? And some people find that earlier on. For my clients, it takes them a while, like a full year to really start to see some of the beauty. But I think it's just so incredible like yeah. you have this whole new set of lens and I always describe it as like the way that flowers look look different mm-hmm. you know it's it's pretty powerful yeah and do you find people who sorry I feel like I could talk to you yeah. for hours and I feel like I've I can talk for hours I have no hard story less like, um but like do you find that a lot of people from their grief experience and loss try to like transmute it into something like for you like doing this grief coaching for us it's been this podcast like for other people it's writing books like or poetry do you find a lot of people do that and do you help people like with that process as well like if that's something they want to do absolutely absolutely I mean at the end of the day we are humans we are mean we love to find meaning mm-hmm. you know we want it we're mean what's the best way to put it? like we are a machine to like make meaning out of something yeah. and sometimes that can be really great and sometimes it can inhibit some of our growth mm-hmm. to be completely honest where it's like maybe we don't need to find full meaning in some of the parts but we need to get to a good place with it too um so absolutely, I have clients that really want to go more into different routes of really expressing their grief, and I cannot advocate that enough. Actually, one of the things that we do when we get into the first phase, or I'm sorry, the second phase when we're reconnecting with ourselves, one of my homework assignments that I love to do is they have to go out and try something creative that they've never done before. So the world is their oyster. Trust me, I know I'm asking people to step out of their comfort zone and I know it can feel really scary, especially when we're in grief. But, you know, it can be anything. I had one client that went to uh, went into painting and really dove into painting and like really channeled some of her grief that way. It's just like finding a creative outlet. I had another client who did tap dancing. So it's really like however you want to express yourself in a creative way, I highly, highly encourage that. Some people it's writing, some people it's even, I even had a client that did woodworking that felt like they needed to like 
go out and build a birdhouse. And I was like, that's amazing. (laughs) However, you need to kind of channel it. You need to spark that level of creativity. I highly, highly recommend it. I know for some of my other clients that aren't as like adventurous, like art or tap dancing or woodworking, maybe they're just writing, you know, and so you're in the comfort of your own home. So it's really ranges to what your comfort level is and how far you kind of want to step into making a different level of meaning. One other exercise that I really highly recommend to my clients, and we do this together too, is we'll create and kind of like, I call it like an honorary board. Okay. And this can be a lot of different formats. It can be a poster board with just pictures. It can't be from the funeral services. Do you hear me? It cannot be the same one from the funeral services. (laughs) Um, So you have to create your own vision board or it's not like a vision, it's honorary board. So kind of like a vision board you can put whatever you want it can be a collage of like their favorite things so like my brother loves pizza he loves music like I could take newspaper clippings or magazine clippings and put that on there mm-hmm. and pictures of him or um you can create a book like a memory book um similar to a scrapbook uh so you have to create some form of something to reference mm-hmm. and maybe it's just one picture or like you decorate the picture frame but I always encourage those two big things to help channel making more meaning for you mm-hmm. because whether you're writing whether you're doing art whether you're doing woodworking or even tap dancing it's like whatever that means to you that you need to feel a little different and get out of your comfort zone and then also finding meaning and like creating something that's really just that building that connection with your loved one mm-hmm. so those are two examples I really really encourage my clients right I love that. I actually did start a memory book, but I don't know, it got to be a little bit too hard for me and it just didn't really feel like the right thing. So I kind of like stopped part way through it, but, um, yeah, I think that's that's okay. okay. Trial and error. That's Trial and error. And if you start tap dancing and you're like, I tried it, Laura, and it did not work for me, then we find something else. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally okay. And one of, I know, a really common um, recommendation that's really, really helped or a tool that's really helped um, is writing a letter to your loved one. Mm-hmm. And for me, in my own healing process, I have written many letters, many, many, many letters at different points where I needed to address different parts that I didn't get to do while they were here. And I started so many that I never finished. Mm-hmm. And that's okay too. That's totally okay. Sometimes it takes 20 different pages to get to the right one. Or maybe it's your first try, you know. I have one client that likes to do a weekly letter. And that's something that's really helped her. And she loves it. And that yeah. works for her. You yeah. know, it's whatever whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. And do you write them, like, for future anniversaries or, like, events or things? or like, And do you, like, read them further down? Or, like, what would you recommend for that? It depends on what... Yeah what's kind of you're getting like what part you're kind of struggling with mm-hmm. so I would say my my I'll share like my personal experience um I was really struggling with some of the past certain things that had happened or certain things that maybe we didn't get to digest together or maybe it was parts of right after they had passed so really past and then there were certain parts where I really needed to address the current moment. Like I'm really, dear mom, I'm really struggling right now in my grief, right? Mm-hmm. And right now, really future looking is I'm getting married in October. That's a huge life event. Mm-hmm. And I work with clients around life events like this too, because it's a lot. It's not easy no. 
you're going to have this really big milestone in your life. And that's like graduation, birthdays. I mean, like the milestones are huge. And when you have a big one, like wedding, graduation, there's going to be a lot that shows up having a child, like all of those that you might miss your person for. Absolutely. You can write future letters and say, you know, like, I really wish you could be here with me on this day. And there's also, there's so much planning that we can do to help you feel prepared for those future times too. Not just writing the letters, a lot, a lot of good stuff. I call it my grief game plan. And I'll put together grief game plans with my clients so that they can start to map out what's going to make the most sense. So I think one of the biggest events that we hear a lot about are death anniversaries. Birthdays are really big um, and holidays. So I really hone in on those days that are going to be significant to the individual. And we come up with a grief game plan and how they're going to do before the date, on the actual date and after the date, because sometimes the anticipation of the date can be even harder than the actual date itself, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I call it the grief hangover. So Mm -hmm. after that day has happened and you're like, I am emotionally checked out. I am emotionally exhausted. I'm physically exhausted. I do, you know, like all the things. So we look at planning before the actual date, the date itself, and then like the grief hangover period too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we can really relate to that too. I mean, Spencer's birthday is April 7th. He passed away on the 13th. And so that whole week is just like, I mean, it's shitty. Um, but even and we can me, say that it is yeah, shitty. We it can is. say that. <laughs> but I mean, all of April for me is like, I dread April and I usually start to honestly feel it in March. Like, I think it was mid-March. I messaged Lex and people in my family and I'm like, you know, I'm waking up having panic attacks and chest pain. And like, it's starting now, like three weeks early. And like, I'm still feeling it, even though like, it's been a couple of weeks since it's passed, but like, you know, it can go on for a solid month or two. Like last year, it started end of February for me. Like, you know what I mean? Like just an anticipation of that. So I think that's the biggest thing that people don't understand. It's like, it's not just a day sometimes it's like, so yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up also. (laughs) 1000%. And it's like, if you had you, your body also remembers. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's not just your mind your body remembers mm-hmm. and it might want to relive those days even before the actual date. Yeah. So I'll share, you know, my mom's passing was really unexpected. My brother's, we had had a month of him kind of in and out of the hospital before he had actually passed mm-hmm. And my mind and body like to relive that month. And I'll never forget it because it was December 10th that he was admitted for a serious complication. And then it was January 10th that he actually passed. So from December 10th to January 10th, my mind and body are like reliving those days. Mm -hmm. Okay. We were readmitted on this day. And the first couple of years, I didn't even realize it after he had passed that my, my body remembered Mm -hmm. and my body was like experiencing this. And I'd be like this sassy anxiety driven person. And I had no idea why, what, what was showing up for me. And then it hit me one day and I was like, I like the December 10th always like that was the day that I really realized like my body had remembered this day before my mind did. Mm -hmm. I had like such a bad day. I mean, like my whole physical and mental being can feel it, but I was like 
I'm going to work, going to do my thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I'm, I like got home and I was like, why was this so challenging? Why is like this so top of mind for me? And then I looked at the actual date and I was like, it's December 10th. Yeah. I cannot believe my mind and body had like subconsciously remembered when I was not even like thinking top of mind, it's December 10th, I should plan for this. And I had no idea that I should come up with even a plan. Yeah, for sure. And like we had a counselor on too, and she recommended the book, The Body Keeps the Score. Um, We've both read it. I'm assuming you probably have too, but do you have any other? I've heard about it. Oh, you haven't. Okay. Do you have any other like good book recommendations for grief? I've read some, but I'm just curious to see if you have anything for people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that the sooner we can just start getting more comfortable with grief, the better off we're going to be period. Mm -hmm. And so I really always recommend to my clients a daily passage reading. And I feel pretty strongly and I post that on my Instagram too a lot. I try to every day if I can. And the healing through grief, there's a passage book, the author's escaping me, but I highly recommend that because you're doing the daily work. Mm-hmm. And it's the consistency and the daily things that you can do to address your grief that's going to help you in the long run. Right. And I think that, that that's true for anything, right? Like if we think about going out and doing health and fitness, right? Like we want to get super fit. We want to eat healthier. We're not going to go to the gym one day and be ripped and bulky. No, <laughs> no, no, no. It takes like lots of time and effort adding on more weight. So that we can lift our muscles and the same happens when we're in a grief healing process we need to like lift that grief muscle little by little every day and then it starts to feel less heavy mm-hmm. and we start to make peace with it a little bit more every day and the more we can just it premises us getting more comfortable with it and again it kind of goes back to what we were saying in the beginning of our conversation around like you have to get comfortable with your grief before you can start coaching the other people around you right. so the yeah. sooner we can kind of get on board with ourselves in a sense the better off we're going to be for the people around us too not for them for us too right like mm-hmm. all together yeah so I highly recommend that that passage book is super super helpful mm-hmm. I found it to just always be in a time of need and sometimes if I read the passage and I'm like that's really just not hitting me today I'll go to like the next day yeah and I'm like oh this is it. This is helping me today. You know, you yeah. don't have to like abide by the rules. And I think that's kind of one of the cool parts about grief that I always try to tell my clients is like, this is our opportunity to break all the rules. We mm-hmm. get to break all the rules we've like made for ourselves and we get to just live the life that we want, you know, because mm-hmm. we've now realized like, this is a little too short, right? Yeah. Yeah. I did actually have that pass- a passage book too. I don't know if it's the same one, but I think it was called like 365 days of grief or something like that. And so, yeah, it had like a quote and then a little explanation below. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's a bunch of different ones out there, but I really did like it too. And like you said, there are some that don't resonate with you, which is okay, but yeah. So, and if there was like yeah. one piece of advice you had to give someone, I know there's probably multiple pieces of advice you'd give someone, but if like your main piece of advice to give someone who's experienced a loss and going through this grief and like, what would you say to them to kind of for like inspiration? I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I was in my last year of college, as I mentioned, and um, had just lost my brother and he had actually left me a note. I didn't know existed. And it wasn't 
like a goodbye because he did not know. He did not know that he was going to pass. And uh, he hid it in my laptop battery. And one day when I took it out, I found it. And it happened to be the day I was actually interviewing for a scholarship. And the scholarship was something that meant a lot to me um, because it wasn't just like a, a scholarly scholarship. It was like actually to help anyone that was like going through a difficult time. And it was right before this interview that I found this note. Mm -hmm. And it was basically the words were like, everything's gonna be all right. And I was like, so cliche. I was like, what is this? <laughs> and I remember going into the scholarship interview and I just kind of broke down to be completely honest. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was like maybe a month after my brother had passed and they were kind of like, so why are you applying for this scholarship? And I was like, um, well, and I just kind of broke down and I concluded it. I kind of like pulled myself together. And I was like, well, you know, I've realized through this that everything is going to be all right. It's not okay that I miss him or, you know, that he's gone. It's not okay, but everything will be all right. And I know that sounds so cliche and I wish I had like <laughs> cooler slam dunk words, but it will be. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of you putting in that work, right? And that's what it comes down to. And I think once you start to accept that you are here right now, you know, I think once we learn that we're here in this moment and it's up to us, like really being present with ourselves and it just taking a step like, okay, everything will be all right. I just have to figure out how to navigate this, right? And that sounds simple in a sense, but we know that there's so many other layers that go on. But if you're ever in those moments, I want you to just stop be present with yourself and remind yourself that everything is going to be all right. And we can say also in that moment, I would say two things, like everything's going to be all right. And we can say this sucks. We can say that. Yeah. It sucks. <laughs> we lost our people. It sucks. That's okay though. Like it's not okay that we lost them, but we can say that that's okay that it sucks mm -hmm. because I think all too often it was like, this like weird positivity on grief. Yeah. People you know, try to like, like sugarcoat yeah. it a bit. Like yeah. they don't want to actually be like, they're like, how are you? And you're like, you know, I'm fine. I'm okay. But like, no, actually I'm really shitty. Thanks for asking. Like, that's what I like really wanted to say half the time, but like, you don't feel comfortable saying that even though that's really how you feel. Right. Yeah. And that's okay. Right. I think to say, like, I got to the point where I was really, really blunt with people um, because I was tired of like sugarcoating it and being like, I'm okay. It's like, no, actually I'm shitty. I lost my boyfriend three months ago. Like, I don't want to talk about it. Like, leave me alone. And I think that's okay. I mean, maybe it came off a little mm -hmm. bitchy, but it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. And yeah. like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's okay to cry. It is okay. So it's everything's going to be all right. And we can say it back. Yeah. We can say it back. I love we that. can get through this <laughs> together. And like, I think one of the biggest things too, is like, you're not alone in this process, mm -hmm. even though it might feel like that you will find someone that you can lean on and you can connect with. And if you aren't, there are great resources, like you guys are doing like this podcast. Mm -hmm. So I think the more we're talking about this, like something like this, the more people are starting to feel a little bit more understood. 
sure. and that they aren't alone and we can say it's us yeah. together <laughs> and yeah I think that's the biggest thing too is like um you do feel lonely but it does like open up that opportunity to meet new people which I think is like I mean, Lex and I knew each other for the longest time growing up, but we were never really friends. And this kind of gave us that opportunity to like get close and connect. And like all the people that have come into my life over the last couple of years has been like, I feel like I've connected to so much deeper than like other people in the past, like no offense to them, but like, you know, it really, they, they just, I guess, understand it better. And like, it's okay to like, have to like break off friendships and relationships with people that really don't serve the purpose they did before. Like you said, like your life completely changes and like, that's okay. Um, yeah. So that's like another yeah. thing too. <laughs> Absolutely. And some of your like past, you have to kind of like go. And I think mm-hmm. I had a friend who anytime I would even remotely talk about my brother, she would talk over me and talk about how her somewhat similar experience was like for her. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was just so consistent. And so I had to just step away from that friendship, but it was really hard. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that's just one example that I can share personally, but it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's really okay. You can find other people not saying like break off all your friends if you can find other people like no but what I'm saying is like don't be afraid to let go what no longer serves you exactly which is sounds so much easier right Mm -hmm. yeah it's those like secondary losses on top of that like first one that are so like you know you lose like for me like my career completely changed I've lost friendships relationships um the home I was gonna thought I was gonna live in for the rest of my life like you lose all these little pieces of you, but it's like, it's kind of fun and exciting, I guess, to like start over and start fresh. And like, you get to choose what you, what you want to do, which is, you know, it's hard. It feels really shitty at the time, but you know, it's, yeah, it's like a fresh slate. (laughs) It's like, as you were saying that too, it just like Mm -hmm. reminded me so much of like, you're losing, you're absolutely losing pieces of you, right? Mm -hmm. Like you are, and, and we can talk about it because that's real like Mm -hmm. that's really pieces of you are not here anymore Mm -hmm. and you can also find new pieces of the puzzle Mm -hmm. you're gonna lose some and you're gonna gain some but you can find you a little bit more in that process and I think the new pieces that you find you're gonna be a heck of a lot happier with that you may not even realize it's like getting through such a big life transition so hard to see what the other side is going to look like like we're such visual creatures we want to visually see like what is my puzzle going to look like when I pick up and add these new pieces mm-hmm. but you kind of have to just trust the process and I know it might sound cheesy but it's just like when you're weightlifting and eating healthy like you have to trust the process to rebuild those muscles in a different way mm-hmm. for sure yeah consistency and trusting that you're going to get there and it's all going to happen with with commitment and a bit of time too I know that's cliche as well when it comes to chatting about grief and loss but it's it's true it doesn't happen over does not absolutely not as much as we wish it could just be you know all over but I think one of the most exciting parts for me is watching clients get to a point where they start to just kind of let go and enjoy the ride and I, I want to just like premise the let go part too, because 
I remember a few years after my brother had passed away, some of my friends had just said, you need to let go, Laura. And I was so angry when I heard that. I mean, just like furious. I think I literally left my friend's house and was like, what are, no. And I think that was also what I was saying, like a pivotal point when I realized that this is like really a journey and not a destination. And it's not what a lot of society tells us that you need to just let go. And then once you let go, it's fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) It's like, no, we don't let go. We kind of transform. That's really what it is. Yeah, for sure. Well, I feel like we could talk to you all day, Laura, but we should probably let you go and enjoy your Sunday afternoon. Um, Do you have any final thoughts? And um, I know we talked a little bit about um, your coaching, but do you mind just sharing um, a little bit more about your offerings for clients and how people can best connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So with Laura K is my Instagram name and I always love connecting with with new folks. So pop in, say hi. I always say like jump, Scott, jump, skip, hop into my DMs, whatever makes sense for you. Mm-hmm. I love chatting about grief. So don't be shy. And your Instagram, by the way, is like, I love going through it and watching all the reels. I'm like anyone who's either going through grief or loss or who hasn't, it's like you provide such valuable information, even for people who are like, I don't know how to connect with someone who just went through a loss. Like everything you post on there is so accurate. So I would highly recommend everyone to go give her a follow and just follow along. Cause it's, it's awesome. Your posts are amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you guys. I mean, really, I love doing this work, right? Like this is my mission and vision to serve others and help other people that were in my shoes. And I know there are so many of us that just kind of don't know where to start and don't know how to kind of maneuver through their grief process and really find happiness again and reconnect with yourself on a whole different level. Grief can be beautiful. I know it's hard to believe, but it can. Thank you so much, Laura. This has been a fun conversation with you today. And I never thought I'd be saying fun and talking about grief, but it was. Yeah. Thank you both. I really appreciate you chatting with me today. And again, grief is my favorite topic. So you just let me know. I'm happy to chat any. Thanks for listening. To support us, please rate, review, subscribe, and share. And we'll see you next week for our next episode of the Soul Connection Duo podcast.